I really want my kids to feel like they can solve their own problems, that they can make the life that they want for themselves, and that they can create the changes that they care about. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddie. What's going on, everybody? Art Eddie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very happy to have Dana Kerwin. She's from Medela. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, Dana. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks. Yeah, looking forward to chatting with you. I love the work that you guys are doing over at Medela. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the different programs and also to how dads and people in the workplace can be advocates for moms uh, returning back to the workforce after maternity leave. It's Maybe a topic that maybe dads and men might not think about, but we should. And so we're glad that we're working with you guys and we can start that narrative here. But let's talk a little bit about your motherhood journey. When you found out you were going to be a mom, what was going through your mind? Yeah, absolutely. For me, there was a lot of excitement and a little bit of relief as well. We um, tried for quite a while to get pregnant with our firstborn. And so there was that uh, feeling of really knowing it was what we wanted and and had worked hard for. Um, At the same time, I think, you know, I was also juggling a lot of the concerns that working moms face. Um, I had been a very career focused woman. Um, We waited a little bit longer to have kids. Um, and my job at the time was very demanding. And so there was definitely, um, the feelings of uncertainty around how my life was going to change and what this baby was going to do, uh, to my ability to focus on my career. And so, I mean, I think a lot of women experience that and, and it was definitely a part of my journey. I'm glad you bring that up. You know, I, I'm, uh, my wife and I, we have two daughters and we want to make sure that, you know, when I say have it all in the sense of like, whatever you dream about, whatever you want to do, you you should go and, and do it. And, and, you know, as long as it's being a positive influence in the world, go ahead and do it. And I think sometimes women get a bad rap that want to continue career, but also have kids and being like, no, you should do it this way. So again, I really, cause my wife and I were talking about that. Um, you know, I became the stay at home dad for a little bit before I started running a couple of fatherhood sites and running my own business. But like, you just, it's crazy how there's a double standard. I know I'm preaching the choir, but just the sense of like the, the, all the things that women go through, through childbirth and child rearing and all that. And then they want to go back into the workforce and you have every, you know, Monday morning, uh, you know, quarterback saying, well, you should have done this right, Dana. So again, I think I, I think this this podcast, this episode is going to open a lot of minds and have people think of things in a different way. Hopefully they do. But again, you you raising that point, I think is good for not just society, but men in a workforce kind of see what everything that a woman is going through when she comes back to the workplace, right? Yes. I so appreciate you recognizing that. And I think um, it's true to a certain degree for almost every working parent, but definitely there are unique elements to what it means for a woman. She's the one who becomes pregnant. Her pregnancy is very visible. She's often uh, by necessity and choice, uh, ending up taking quite a bit of time away from her career in order to have a baby. And so it's really nice to have the opportunity to talk to an audience that maybe hasn't had a close encounter with what that looks and feels like. No doubt. So again, I really appreciate you sharing that perspective, Dana. Talk a little bit about the values you're looking to instill into your kids as they're growing up. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I think for me, a really big one is gratitude. Um, I think, you know, it's so important to happiness, uh, to be able to appreciate what you have. Um, I think a, a glass half full attitude goes a really long way. And of course, at the end of the day, as a parent, you, you want your kids to be happy. I think the second thing for me, that's a really big focus is, um, self-confidence, um, or the kind of that internal locus of control. I really want my kids to feel like they can solve their own problems, um, that they can make the life that they want for themselves, um, and that they can create the changes that they care about. And I think the third piece kind of building onto that then is compassion. And really when you're thankful for the things that you have in your life and you feel capable of building the life you want and making the change you want, I think then seeing areas where you can make the world better for everyone um, is so important. And I definitely feel like this fuels the passion I have for the work that I do um, at Medela, creating change for working moms uh, and breastfeeding moms and families. Um, and when you love what you do, um, that's one of the keys to happiness, I think. Love it. Yeah. And a couple of things. I, I love the gratitude piece of it. During the pandemic, my wife had the idea of like having a gratitude journal, right? And we are very grateful, especially in our household to, you know, have a family, have something that, you know, we can you know, rely on each other, but like just other things that we're grateful for. And I think sometimes we live in this generation where instant gratification, but also to like, you see someone on social media, like, oh, they're doing this, but you don't realize what you have. I mean, I, yeah. I to be told, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't say that. I do that all the time, especially in the dad blowing world. If someone goes on a cool media trip, I'm like, oh, what, you know, they did that like three months ago. I went to Disney because they brought me in for that Star Wars thing. But like all of a sudden, I forget that out the window because they're right here yes. and that's right there. But having that gratitude and also that tick, it, as they get older, you got to let them expand their wingspan and let them do things. And like, I can, ah, no, they need to do this. And if they fail, well, <laughs> they fail but again that that's a great you know you know your kids are in good hands because you have a great mom who's kind of thinking on a global scale like you know like uh looking from the rear view so to speak you know yes yes i i think i love that example of really recognizing when you're clearing the path too much for them <laughs> you know it's giving them the tools but letting them solve the problem it's showing them the path but making them walk it. Um, and I think it, it's hard to do. Um, and my children right now, I've got a, a five-year-old and a one-year-old and, you know, they're at that stage where they still seem so little. Um, but especially with my five-year-old, you know, we're already trying to find, you know, ways and opportunities to empower him to make decisions and, uh, and show him how to, to solve for himself. Uh, some of the little, the little things. <laughs> That's great. Hopefully that, turn into the big things. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's like building blocks. And at that age, they're so eager to help. And if you kind of squash that idea, they're yes. just, they're going to do it for me anyway. So why not? So love it. Absolutely. So, you know, you have a lot of things that you want to teach your kids that we just talked about. Talk about something that your kids have taught you either about yourself or about life that you wouldn't mind sharing. Yes. Um, I think for me, my children have really helped me reprioritize things in my life. You know, talking about the working mom concerns, you know, I was really 
very career focused when I started my adult life. Um, is very much uh, into climbing the corporate ladder, you know, every promotion and raise and successful project, it felt good. And I, I was really hungry for more. And that was really a, a big part of how I defined myself. And I think that since I've had children and watching them grow, I mean, Art, I know you know this, it, it's like you you look away for a minute and you look back at them and they're twice the size that they were. And they're suddenly doing all these things that you swear they weren't doing yesterday. And it's really made me aware of how fast time passes. Um, and especially with children, you know, it only moves in one direction. You don't get to do it over. You don't get to go back. They're never going to be one again, two again, three again. You get those moments while they're here. And so as much as I love professional success, and I certainly still care about my career and and I'm motivated by that kind of success. Um, I have made changes in my career and in the work I do and in how I do it to make sure that I have time with my family and that when I'm not spending that time with them, I'm really working on something I care about, you know, and 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 the work that I do at Medila, advocating for families, speaking up for working moms, um, that's a feels like a really good use of my time. Um, and it's something that I would definitely say today is worth more than the biggest paycheck I could go out and earn or, you know, yeah. uh, spending twice as much time in the office, uh, climbing the ladder. It, it's really about how I'm spending my time. Thank you again for sharing that, Dana. Cause again, like we always say, like, I remember when I first started getting into the workforce after college, like, oh, we need a little bit more experience. I'm like, oh, experience. I'm ready to go. I, I got, <laughs> but as you gain more experience and as you learn, not just about work, but just in life in general, like that, like that Rod Stewart song, I, I wish I knew then what I know now. Right. And the, you know, talking about like the, you know, the days are long, but the years are short with your, especially with your kids. And those Facebook memories are a gut punch to me because I'm just like, wait, that happened how many years ago? And I have a daughter that like, I got to, you know, we're going to start teaching how to drive. And it's like so crazy, like 14, 15 and 12. And it's like, man, time is flying. And, you know, one more question before we kind of get into the great work you are doing over at Medela. Yeah. Piece of advice for new moms or a mom hack. Like, you know, for me, I always tell like, you know, parents, new parents, like always stock the diaper bag because wherever you're going, people listen to this podcast, like, oh, here are goes again with the same example. But I'm just like, you know, it's the idea of like making sure that there are diapers in there because you don't want to be stranded somewhere. Your kid's got to blow out and you're like, I got nothing. So <laughs> always check the diaper bag before you go out. Mom hack or a piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, I love this so much. Um, and I, I think I have two. Um, the first one is like the one I shamelessly share with every friend <laughs> that I find out is having a baby. And it goes back to the core values, honestly. It's that self-confidence. And I tell my friends who are especially like first-time parents, like, you just got to trust yourself. You know what you're doing. You've got this. Don't let baby be in charge. Don't think that a person who's been on the planet for three days knows more about what they need than you do. Like you've got this. It's okay if they're crying, you know. Um, so that's like my first really big advice is just, you know so much more about this than you think you do. Yeah. Um, so that, that like trusting your gut, I think is important to hear. But the second piece of advice is telling, and especially moms, I think this is a, a female thing. 
you need to ask for what you need. And, you know, I feel like we are not going to fix our society's habit of dumping too much on moms if moms keep doing all the things. Like, you have to start saying, this is too much. You have to start asking your partner, hey, I need you to take this on. You know, my husband and I, like, you know, he is such a great life partner for me because I know I can turn to him and say like, I need you to handle swimming lesson registration (laughs) and here's the information. And I just need this off my plate. I can't think about it. And I need you to do it. Um, you know, or it's all the things it's summer camp or it's, um, you know, we're almost out of milk, but it's like, it's okay to just let people know what you need. There's so much help available. Um, and I think it extends to your partner and it extends into your life. Ask your friends, ask your employer, you know, again, like, you know, when I working for Medela, it's all about helping moms go back to work who are choosing to breastfeed. Um, but whatever it is you need, if you need flexibility, if you need a space to pump at work, it's most people want to help. And I think moms just really need to get over this fear that asking for help means you can't do it. Um, I think it's okay that you can't do it. No one can. Yeah. Yeah. There's all those different stigmas that go with asking for help or saying, Hey, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Can you, can you take this over? Right. And to, I think to break that cycle, you're, I mean, as your kids get older and you see, like, they see the interaction between you and your spouse being like, Hey, this week I'm swamped. You need to handle the kids 60% of the time. I'll do 40 next week. We can swap whatever the case may be. They see that. They see that as a normal thing. Guess what? They're going to go out thinking that's normal when, if they choose to find a partner or they, whatever, or even in work-life balance, right? We always had this thing where you know, it's like, we're working 80 hours a week. Yay. And it's like, there's going to be no medal for that. So the yeah. fact that you are, you know, you're telling that to new moms is great. I think it's the stereotypical and someone comes over when you just had a kid, like, what do you do? Can you just hold the baby so I can sleep? And like, <laughs> that's the thing. That's, I think the only thing they'll ask is because they need sleep and like the human nature kicks in. Like I need to be awake and, you know, cognitive of what's going on. So yeah, I'll sleep, but that's where it drops off. And especially for moms they are like, I can do it all. I can do it all. I can do it all. And yes. for dads listening to this, ask. Ask me like, hey, I was thinking about doing the laundry and this is going to sound weird. Some people love doing laundry. So if your spouse loves to do the laundry, great. No, I need you to do the dishes because the laundry is my happy space. As, as weird as that sounds, but you always got to ask those questions, right? Like, how can I help? I want to do this, but what would be better for you, right? Yes. And it's all of that life administration, um, <laughs> you know, that I I think gets lost in the mix because each item is small. You know, I, I bring up the swimming, uh, swimming lesson sign up because that's like our most recent example, but it's like swimming lessons, soccer, summer camp, you know, childcare for the day that school is closed, but we're working doctor's appointments, dentist appointments. Each one of those things is five or 10 minutes, but there's so many of them. And I think it's a great call out to partners out there that, you know, don't leave it all on your buddy. <laughs> like yeah. they might need a hand. And if you can take 10 minutes off their plate, um, that can make a world of difference. So if they ask, say yes. If they don't ask, maybe check in. Hey, is there anything you'd like me to do this week? It's definitely a team. Parenting is a team sport uh, for sure. <laughs> but you just also mentioned like camp registration. So let's just say your kids are going to summer camp. 
Don't think you can register in April or March. Here's another hack. Do it in October the year before, because guess yes. what? all those things are going to be stocked up. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I, my son is a, a new kindergartner. So the world of, of uh, summer care and activities is new for us. And um, oh my goodness, I was not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, okay. We're going to move on to the great work you and uh, your team are doing over at Medela. And you guys are prepared to help moms and people yeah. just be good advocates, right? And I, I know the topic of breastfeeding can come with a lot of mixed reactions. Some people are like, I'm not even going to touch this. I don't know what to say. You know, I get that. But yeah. still, moms need to feel supported at home and in the workplace. Talk about the ways, and I love the fact that Medela has the KIN program. Talk a little bit about this campaign and how it'll help moms, her family, and also people in the workplace that might just kind of have it on the blind. It's like, I'm not going to ask, you know, because it's like, it's a touchy situation when someone comes back that you don't know what to say or how to say it. But obviously you guys are given the blueprint and how that can move that, that transition for women to come back in the workplace can be a lot more smooth. That's exactly right. Um, and, and that's our goal at, at, our core, we are a company dedicated to serving and supporting families uh, and the choices that they want to make around how they feed their baby. So KIN is the name of the program that was developed by Medela in partnership with our friends at Mamava to help employers better support uh, breastfeeding employees when they come back to work. We are partnering with employers across the country to provide solutions for breastfeeding and pumping. Uh, that's everything from creating lactation spaces to placing pumps and supplies in the office. We provide guidance on appropriate lactation policies, benefits on what the regulations are and how companies uh, can figure out if they're compliant or maybe what they need to do. Um, and we put a bunch of information out there, frankly, that's for free um, out on our website at kinbenefits.com so that parents, HR leaders, anybody who wants to know more um, can go pull down guides and, and recommendations. Um, and we built the program to be really flexible. It's it's definitely sits with breastfeeding at the center, um, but we also have support services that expand to cover the entire family because it isn't just mom alone. It's uh, a family that welcomes that baby. Um, and we know that any new parent uh, going back to work is going to need support. No doubt. And, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, okay, you know, so, some people have the mentality of being like, well, we'll just bottle. We'll just, you know, use formula. We'll be fine. We'll be good. Well, as you know, 2020 taught us, you got to expect the unexpected. Then there was the formula shortage happened, you know, um, talk a little bit about like how much pressure you you and your colleagues felt at Medela to help moms and families, because sometimes the less the, you know, the best laid plans aren't going to happen. And for you guys being like, I, I, there was probably an uptick and they're like, all right, how do we do this? Right. So with that shortage, how did you guys kind of comfort, you know, moms and families being like, no, we got you. This is how we can do it. Absolutely. Um, definitely. We felt an extreme urgency uh, to help um, when this was going on last year. We were hearing from a lot of business partners, uh, personal friends, moms that know the brand that were reaching out. And there were a few things we did to try to help where we could uh, help our country navigate that. And it's, I mean, it's not even over, you know, we continue to see in the news that shortages are continuing um, 
But the first thing we did, we rolled out an educational campaign. We called it the Moms Unite for Milk Pumpathon. Um, and we provided free education in a, in a few different formats. Um, one was sharing information about Medela Family, which is a free app that we provide that helps parents specifically access resources for breastfeeding. The second thing we did, we provided guidance on relactation, um, both directly for moms and also to health professionals that may be supporting moms who want to transition back to feeding breast milk. So um, not a lot of people know this, but you can initiate lactation or restart lactation um, even if you haven't just had your baby. And so... Um, you know, that's not for everybody, but it is possible. And so that was something that we were definitely um, trying to provide credible resources on. Um, the third thing we did was we shared information about donor milk banks. Um, and we also provided breast milk storage bags to moms who wanted to volunteer to donate some of their milk to a nonprofit uh, milk bank. And amazingly, through that program, we helped moms donate 54,000 ounces of milk um, to nonprofit milk banks, which is just incredible. We're very proud of that effort and, and just, you know, love every mom who donated an ounce uh, uh, into that program to help other families. In fact, the program has been such a success that we've actually continued to run it and uh, for anybody who's interested, um, you can go to medila.us forward slash supporting dash moms. And uh, anyway, you can check out what we're doing out there, uh, how that program is working. And I think that it's something that Medila is going to continue to do into the future because um, moms are such a community out there supporting each other that it was really a, a great way for us to help them do that. That is fantastic work. And I think, again, Sometimes people don't know all of the different ways that Medela can help and or you just uh, just things that are out there that can help families in, in different needs in different ways because they're like, oh, well, I can't produce breast milk. I can't, you know, probably give my child breast milk, whatever the case may be is. But again, you guys are covering all the different avenues. Now, I want to talk about something that probably frustrates a lot of women. And like even like, you know, different cartoons like, you know, The Simpsons I've seen, like we'll joke about it if. You see a dad changing a diaper. Let's just stop the press. Oh my gosh, look what's happening. We need to give this guy the, you know, the Nobel Peace Prize, right? And it's like, this is stuff that we shouldn't, you know, take, like, we should just do it. We, should, we don't need a medal. We don't need a high five constantly. Moms do it and it's like, well, where's my recognition, right? And also too, if like the dads are cleaning the, you know, the breast pumps and the breast bags and all that other stuff, like, yeah, like, no, we need to go beyond that, right? And I think that's a theme that, um, I'm going to definitely be, you know, trying to share with new dads as well. But when you see like dads trying to help out, right. How can they like, again, I guess it's just maybe the asking of like how they can help in, in, in certain ways, but this goes along with dads just cleaning up the breast equipment and, and the bottles and your experience with all the different people you've talked to, what are some ways that dads can help that go beyond just the the basic stuff that sometimes we get applauded for that some moms are being like, Where, where's our flowers, right? So just talk about from your experience, just ways that dads can kind of do more because obviously we weren't pregnant for nine months. We're not going through all the body changes. Yeah, we might eat sympathy ice cream, whatever. But like talk a little bit about like the things that dads can do or partners can do to make sure that they see 
the journey that, you know, their spouses went through with everything that, you know, when it comes to childbearing. It's just such a great point, Art. I, um, I love this. I definitely think our country, our society could do better at celebrating parenthood uh, and the work of parenthood more equally. Um, I think that I love that dads are celebrated for helping. Would definitely love to see a little bit more equality for every diaper that mom changes. (laughs) Um, But that said, I think, you know, definitely uh, there are so much that dads can do along the way. I, I think, first of all, no doubt that some of the physical chores like washing the pump uh, washing all the parts, making sure mom's equipment is ready for her to go back to work the next day. That's a huge thing. Things like tracking feedings, tracking diapers, you know, little babies just, they come with a lot of maintenance. And so I think that dads can definitely play a huge role, um, with some of those tasks that seem small, um, but really add up. I think the second, you know, big area is the emotional support, be encouraging, you know, be a cheerleader, recognize what she's doing. Um, I think, you know, breastfeeding is one of those things. Dad can't like swap in and take a turn. Um, but you can tell her that you see her effort, you know, and make sure that it's not going unnoticed under the radar, that it's just an expectation that she'll do it. Um, I think that just, applauding her in the same way we clap and cheer for dad who who changes a diaper you know let's get the pom-poms out for those middle of the night breastfeeding sessions for moms that's uh it really is amazing um and and then looking for ways you know to a nursing mom I'm, i'm sure there are ladies out there who will raise their hands to this um but that's grueling physical work like you are hungry you are thirsty you are tired at the end of that um so little things like making sure she's got snacks uh at the nursing table making sure her water uh cup is full um so when she goes and sits down she's not you know two minutes in reaching for the water and realizing it's empty um so there's some really nice things i think there and then the last thing i would say is around um you know equality in the baby work you know take turns offer to do a middle of the night feeding with a bottle if your wife is pumping um offer to take over once baby's fed to do the diaper change and get them back to sleep so that she can get back in bed sooner um i think that goes a long way and then i think there's also a a big opportunity for men to really think about how they can advocate for women uh, who become mothers at their place of work. It's kind of the, I think of it as like the golden rule um, extended, right? Um, But doing for women in your workplace what you hope men are doing for your wife when she goes back to work. You know, it's not often the case that a couple both work at the same place, but it's certainly often the case that a husband whose wife is going back to work also works with other women at his place of employment. And so it's like, well, you maybe can't do it for your own wife, but being an advocate in general um, is kind of, I think, how we all move society forward. Awesome. Great pieces of advice for, you know, dads listening to this. And also too, you mentioned, you know, getting up and changing the diaper, the night feedings. Like for us, the way it worked out was I would get up when like it was time, 
change the diaper, whether it's good or bad or whatever. We I just changed. She'd be in like the rocking chair to nurse, give her there. And then like on the occasion, I'll be listening because our babe, when they were when they were super young, they'd be in our, our bedroom. Mm-hmm. You'd hear like, oh, they just went again. So you knew you had to get up after she was done. Yes. Was yeah. So just, just the idea that you're kind of going this through, like, it's always funny, like, if you're doing something that's kind of an uphill task with someone, it makes it a little bit easier. And I think moms would be like, Oh, he's getting up with me. And yeah, he might again, works for everybody. Every family is different, but I just, when you said the, you know, night changings and all that, I made sure I did that. Uh, not looking for a medal. Not, I'm just saying like I, we practice that just from one of the things you said, one more question before we finish off with the uh, motherhood quick five. So just in general, like with all the different experiences that you have heard, all the great research and every, you know, kind of like getting the the pulse of different workplace communities and all that. Like you said earlier, like you might not have be working with your wife, but there are going to be women in the workplace, right? What are some of the things that you found that worked that companies might not even think about? Like, yeah, they might be like, all right, this is this old, this old office. No one's using, go ahead, use it as a nursing station. Okay, great. But what are some of the things that you found that people got back to you like, oh, I love when my company did this, just so people listening to this can like go back to their HR department or their boss and be like, hey, heard this work for another company, created a great atmosphere. Talk a little bit about like the things that you've heard from people being like, this works so well. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a few things that come to mind. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, some of it is just saying, you know, get familiar with your company's policies. And frankly, make sure you have a lactation policy at your organization. If your company doesn't have anything documented, that's an opportunity to say, we need to get familiar with the regulations at the federal level, at the state level. What are we supposed to be doing? And let's make sure we've checked all the boxes and let's put it in writing so that it's consistent. Um, I think a lot of people really, a lot of women really appreciate when they can find the information on here's what breastfeeding at work looks like in our company. Um, The second piece is definitely um, having a lactation space that is comfortable and accessible. And, And that can mean a lot of different things. The best practice is that that space is dedicated for breastfeeding, that that we're not asking a mom to share the pumping space with somebody who's going to go in and also do some yoga in there. Or, you know, it's also somebody's office and she's got to kick them out every time she needs to use the space to pump. Give her a space where she can go and that she knows that that's there for her. Um, and then within that space, you know, think about the basics, you know, um, how is she cleaning the space and her equipment? You know, if there's running water, that's, you know, best in class. If there's not running water, make sure she's got wipes, cleaning supplies, you know, a microwave if she wants to um, use like a micro steam bag, um, you know, so just thinking through what is her experience in that space. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, um, what kind of equipment are you offering Uh, you know, do you provide employees with a breast pump? Do you put a hospital grade pump in that workplace room so that moms don't have to carry all that equipment back and forth? Um, I think those are really the, the big ticket items that we see. And, and I think, you know, asking moms again, what do they need? What, you know, if they could change one thing, what would it be? And um, I think finding ways to advocate on behalf of those moms uh, in the organization is, is huge and goes a long way. 
awesome. I really appreciate that. Again, like, yeah, ask the moms who are going through it. Just don't think like, oh, yeah, we'll just take out the, you know, the foosball table in that room. <laughs> the game room can now be the breast pumping room, right? Like, yeah, just ask them because they will know. But obviously, you know, if if guys kind of feel awkward about the situation, don't know how to approach things, just go to the HR department, say how, you know, Absolutely. I have someone coming back on my team. How can we make them feel better, right? Absolutely. Yes. If you are a manager and you have the opportunity, uh, you know, talk to your employee. If you're not comfortable, that's fine. Bring in HR, but make sure for the employee that they receive a message of support, whether that's coming from you as their manager or whether that's you saying, hey, I want to connect you with so-and-so in HR um, so that when you come back, we make sure everything is in place that you need. Um, I think that, that that can go such a long way. If you're not a manager, I think just being an advocate, you know, we talk a lot about the normalized breastfeeding movement. And part of it is just try not to overreact, try not to be weirded out by it. You know, when you signal discomfort, we keep it in the shadow. We keep it a thing that moms have to solve by themselves. Moms can't talk about it's okay to talk about it. And, and I think that's important to remember. Um, and I think as a decision maker, if you have any influence, even if you're a man and you're never going to use these things, it's okay to speak from your experience as a father, as a brother, as an uncle, you know, to say, hey, why don't we have a lactation room? Um, you know, one of my favorite stories, we were talking with an employer who was looking at putting uh, some mama pods into their space. And I was talking with a couple of ladies in HR and they said, well, we've got to go get approval. And I'm a little bit worried that they're going to say, we don't need this. And we had a guy from facilities on the call because he was, it was going to be his job if we brought the pumps in to like actually set them up. And he jumps into this conversation. He's a dad. And he's like, why would anybody push back against this? You know, <laughs> do you know how many times I get called as the facilities guy to go make a space for somebody coming back? Cause we don't have one. And you know, my wife breastfed and you know, I know about this. And he, anyway, he was so enthusiastic about it. And it was like the most heartwarming thing to hear this dad just get it. And in fact, I told these HR ladies, I'm like, you take him with you. You know, this is this, you know, you get your band together and you go have this conversation because he was such an advocate um, and really he just got it. And so I, I think it's important um, to really view that responsibility seriously. <laughs> I love that. Just something quickly too you know, especially now people are working remotely, right? So let's say yeah. moms are working from home and everyone's like, well, you don't need to worry about this. What about this though, right? Your body goes on like routines, right? No matter what it is, you're hungry at like one o'clock, maybe not noon when everybody else is taking lunch, you're hungry at one. For some, have you guys talked about for people who work remotely, but are looking to pump that there is time for like, hey, I know we're scheduled meetings back when I used to, you know, before children, it was at one o'clock, but actually now it's a time for feeding. How do you, how would you suggest people kind of have that conversation? Because again, this is all the great, all the great work you guys are doing for people going back into the office. But what about people who are working from home and maybe don't want to like rock the boat by asking a question like this, but it's, it's just the same type of priority though, right? Absolutely. I love, I love this. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned it. Yes, when you are a remote employee, if you are breastfeeding, it's not it's not like it's a non-issue. It's just different. And I think that's exactly right. You know, it, it's thinking about 
how employees structure their schedules when they work from home um, and making sure that, you know, if they have full control of their schedule, that they understand you're supportive of them blocking whatever time they need. If they have a job where they don't have full control of their schedule, let's say they're a, an hourly employee, they work in, you know, as a part of a call center, making sure that they're as their supervisor, as their employer, you thought about how break times uh, can be added into their schedule and that you work with them to your point, not everybody pumps on the same exact schedule or same routine, um, that that employee has a say uh, in incorporating those breaks, but that they're accounted for. Um, if you're asking moms who are remote, but maybe travel, think about how they're pumping on the go. Think about, you know, are you covering breast milk shipping so they can get their milk home uh, from wherever they are? So yeah, not being in the office doesn't mean this is not an issue. Um, it, it's a different set of solutions. And, and it's another part of the conversation we have with employers through the KIN program uh, specifically to solve. That's great. A different set of solutions. I like that. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a new way of saying thing outside the box, a different set of solutions. I love yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's a screwdriver instead of a hammer, but you still got to, you still got to solve the need. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you very much for being gracious with your time. And obviously adding uh, this podcast with a ton of information and great ways that people can be advocates. Obviously we want to promote fatherhood. We want to promote motherhood. We want to promote good parenting, but also starts with all everybody working together. It takes a village to raise a kid. And so that whole adage, right? So the stuff that you guys are doing is fantastic. We're going to end off with a fun note with the motherhood quick five. And I yes. know your, your youngest probably not watching movies right now, but like favorite, it doesn't have to be a movie because maybe even your five-year-old doesn't want to sit down for the whole movie, but favorite show, or movie you guys like to watch together right now is what? I love it. We are a movie family and my son is obsessed with the sea beast right now. <laughs> it's all sailing and captains and ocean monsters all day long in our house. Nice. Yeah. I interviewed the director a few months ago and that, that, sh that was a really cool movie. Favorite song or band you couldn't wait to introduce your kids to? Oh, or maybe when they get boy. a little bit older to appreciate the music, but I'm just like, is there a band or is there a family favorite family? Like your kids are awesome age right now. So you can put on a song that gets everybody going. Like for us back in the day, my wife and I would get our kids kind of tired by having family dance night after, you know, the baths and all that stuff. So they'd be tired yes. out. So do you guys have like a favorite family song you like to dance to? We, well, we are, we do listen to a lot of music. I think right now when, when I think about songs, um, <laughs> We have been singing um, the If All the Raindrops Were Lemon Drops and Gumdrops song. Um, and we actually like to make up new verses with oh. different <laughs> weather and candy combinations. So in our house, that's... Uh, uh, that's been the music, uh, musical theme. <laughs> nice. Creativity and having fun. I love yes. that when that comes together. Describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? Oh my gosh. Anywhere with hot dogs and a pool. Like <laughs> we are at the stage of life right now. And I know you've been here, Art, right? Like with little kids, when they are content, everybody's having a good time. Like there's no fancy dinner when you're on vacation with a five-year-old. But if you can find a warm pool and a hot dog, like everyone is relaxed. A hundred percent. You are spitting facts right there. A hundred percent. I love that. <laughs> uh, favorite thing to do with the family is? Um... We, so I'm live up in Minneapolis 
And um, there are a lot of great parks and lakes up here. Uh, despite the cold winters, we actually spend a lot of time outdoors. And so that's a big, a big go-to for us. I mean, as soon as the weather starts to get nice, we're outside eating ice cream, meeting up with friends. Um, and that's kind of our, our go-to. Awesome. And lastly, top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a mom. What would you want them to be? Oh, there's a lot. Um, <laughs> but, you know, loving, trustworthy, especially as they get older, you know, you hope that they'll come to you and, um, and dedicated. Awesome. Great three words right there. Again, Dana, I appreciate what you and your uh, your colleagues are doing over at Medela just to help not just moms, but obviously people in the workforce to make things a smoother transition because when it's easy, things tend to get done a lot quicker and more uh, effectively. For more on the KIN campaign, go to Medela's website at medela.us slash KIN. Uh, I wish you and your family continued success. And obviously the stuff that you guys are doing, like I said, uh, over at your company is fantastic. And I wish you guys the same success at work as well. Thanks so much, Art. So nice talking with you. Thanks for checking out this week's edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And also go to artoffatherhood.net. You can have a chance to check out some great articles like the weekly Dad's Doing It Right column, the Collector of the Week, and many more. Plus, you have a chance to win some very cool prizes like video games, collectibles, all that good stuff. Go to artoffatherhood.net. And please make sure you rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts because I'll greatly appreciate it to get the word out on the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to artoffatherhood.net.